Hmm. Good morning. Praise the Lord. What a beautiful church this is. And to see Paul here so many years, amen? And to see what God is doing through this man and this woman, God is good. God is good all the time. And uh, greetings from Gaba Community Church and from people who love you so very much. Uh, you know, Pastor Paul has a friend. His name is Moses. Moses talks about you all the time. <laughs> all the time. And Jemima, his wife, they love you so, so, so very much. And, and of course, I know, uh, you know Fred, who is in Rwanda, and Pastor Charles. Uh, I, I call Pastor Charles my little brother. And uh, because he worked uh, with us for 10 years, he came in as a young man, and, and God sent him to Rwanda. And then Fred came when he was in, uh, you call it year five in school. So he came, and then I saw him growing up, and now they're doing a great ministry in Rwanda. And I thank you so much for investing and doing ministry in Rwanda. We, we are so proud of you. Thank you so very much. Isn't God good? And it's so interesting how Paul ends up connecting with LifeLinks. And, and I've been with LifeLinks since 2003. And, and then I say, how did you find out? And so happens that Pastor Ross happens to be in Rwanda. And we invited Pastor Ross to come to Africa. Now he's going all over. And then he meets you. It's like, isn't God amazing? So he, he goes like this, and then he goes like this, and then now I'm finding myself in this beautiful place to the glory of God. Amen. And this young man finds himself in Uganda, and he finds Jesus in Uganda. Praise the Lord. As we've been doing uh, worship this morning, what I really felt... Uh, for you as a church and for you, Pastor Paul, is that you are a church that is breathing life in this community. But I felt that the life you're breathing is not only for this community. Uh, this is a country that is needing life. The church in the United Kingdom has been going through a lot. You brought the gospel to us. But this country now needs the gospel. And there's life here. You feel it, you see it, you smell it. So what I was feeling God speaking to you is that what you have is not just for you. It is for the nation. You're breathing life to this nation. I just felt that God is going to start opening doors for you to start breathing life into churches that have been struggling and dying. I feel that God is going to send out teams to bring life and prayer teams, worship teams, preaching teams in this country. But not only this country, but this continent. 
Praise the Lord. So may God do it. May God just raise that which is within you to spread and touch and minister. So that's what I felt. I see an apostolic anointing on you, Paul, and just go for it to the glory of God. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to talk about prayer. And I love to talk about prayer. And when I hear church talking about prayer, I say, this is it. Because we are what we are back where we are in Uganda, in Gaba, because of that. The pictures that you've just seen on the screen, that's not where we started. We started in a tiny little village called Gaba, a fishing village. And as a young man, God sends me to this community. And I thought that God is just sending me to start a little church and to make a little difference. And I used all the things that I learned in Bible school. I had been to Bible school. And I started reaching to the community, knocking on people's doors, sharing the gospel. And I want to say this. People said yes, but they didn't come to church. People would say, yes, I love Jesus, but we don't see the fruit of their love for Jesus. And I said, God, what is going on? When I was in Bible school, I lived the class on evangelism. Actually, I did well. I had 92%. I was one of the best in the class. And I said, now that I'm a pastor, let me use all the things I learned in Bible school. And I did. Shared the scriptures, prayed for people, did follow up. But people... If they helped you, they would come for once or twice. But something happened. They would not come back. So we started with 15 people. And and those 15 people, one of them was Jemima's dad and mom. But people could not continue coming. And I said, God, what is going on here? What is wrong with these people? So, you know, we're out with Charles and... Another guy called John Poser would say, we will have to visit everyone who said yes and remind them that tomorrow is Sunday. (laughs) So we did that. We would say, tomorrow is Sunday, remember? Of course, we didn't have cell phones then, so you could not call them, but we reminded them. Something was holding them back. I remember we invited an evangelist to come. And this guy anointed, he preached for, for, for a full week, full week. And, and that week was powerful because uh, at the end, uh, on Sunday, our tiny little uh, shelter of 20 people, you know, we had 20 people, but we could hold a few more, was packed on Sunday. I said, the revival has broken out. <laughs> In two weeks, we are back to 20 people. I said, what is going on here? And then I remembered that when I was growing up in the church where I accepted Jesus, I had a pastor. And that man was a man of prayer. That guy could pray. He could pray and pray. So we had Bible study on Wednesdays. And and on, on Wednesdays, this guy would come and kneel down the front 
from three to five, he would pray and pray and pray. He would put up his hands, kneeling, and he would put his hand for an hour, not putting them down, and he prayed. So when Bible study began, it had already been bathed in prayer. So I remembered, that's what my pastor used to do. He had his own prayer meeting on Thursday night. He had, there was a tiny little room at our church where my pastor would close himself in throughout the night alone praying in, into the morning. So I'm in this place struggling to raise a church and then I remember it's not by power, it's not by might, it is by the Spirit of God. So that began my journey of prayer. And I said, I'm going to do what I saw my dad do, my spiritual dad do. I'm going to pray. And we started praying. We started praying. We started praying. And God started changing our community. I started seeing people coming and staying. We started seeing miracles of deliverance. There's one young man who came. He had been bewitched. I don't know if in the UK they bewitch people, but in Uganda they do. The devil there is alive and very well. I believe he's alive and well here, but he's more sophisticated in your country. But in ours, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's, yeah. So this guy comes and and they are so, he was so demonic that people could not hold him. So, so they had to tie him on the pole in our tent. We had a tent at the time. And as we prayed, people would come and pray over him. God, in his miraculous ways, delivered the man. Demons just went off after prayer. He's now, so many years later, he's free. He has never been bound again. So we started seeing miracles after miracles. So today, uh, when Pastor Paul said we are going to talk about prayer, I said, thank you. I want to share my story because we need that, don't we? Father, I pray that you open our hearts, that we hear what you have for us. For Lord, you're doing an amazing thing here and you want to do more and more. So speak to us. In Jesus' name. I want us to start by reading a portion of scripture uh, found in the book of Matthew chapter 11. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, that the portion. Um, they put on the screen verse 12, but let me read 11 and then I'll read 12. He says, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, There has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom is greater than he. Then verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until today, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And violent, the violent take it by force. That's a very interesting scripture. Now, this is Jesus speaking. And he's telling his disciples, 
Now, you all remember John the Baptist. He's the one who is introducing Jesus to the world. Now, Jesus is describing him. And he says, from his day until now, the kingdom suffers violence. The best way to understand this is, there is the kingdom of God, but also there is the dark kingdom. God owns everything. He's the king of kings. And that God who sits up there in the heavens created this place for his own self, didn't he? For his own glory. And he puts Mr. Adam and his wife, Eve, to take care of his earth on his behalf. Just like you, British, decided to take over the rest of the world. <laughs> you actually came to my country. And what did you do? You decided, not you probably, but your ancestors, <laughs> decided to take over the rest of the world. I'm not going into details because you may hate me for that. No, you can't hate me, but you decided that we will take over. So, what happened was you sent a governor. And that governor was in my country to rule over Uganda on behalf of the king of the United Kingdom. So that person was in my country but was ruling on behalf of the king. You get it. So you know what they did? They brought the flag and put it on the hill. And they said, this is the territory of the king of the United Kingdom. To rule on behalf. Amen? So Adam is brought here by the king who happens to be God to rule the earth on his behalf. So he says, take dominion. Take charge. Rule over the fish and the sea. Expand. Grow my kingdom. Rule on my behalf. Establish my presence on the planet. Unfortunately, Adam did not operate very well. He was deceived, as every one of us knows, by Satan. And when he was deceived, he lost rulership over what he would have ruled over. So what happened? He handed over his authority to the devil. You know that? Which was very unfortunate. 
But I thank God for Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Because God himself promises that one day there will be a seed of a woman who will be born. And when he comes, he will crush the head of the serpent. Amen. So, Jesus has come several thousand years later. To do what? To reestablish that which we lost. To give us back that which belonged to us. Rulership. Amen. So Jesus is speaking here and he's saying, from the days of John Baptist, the kingdom has been suffering violence. Actually, other translations say there has been a lot of contention between the other kingdom and this kingdom. So Jesus' coming was to reestablish that which we had lost, the rulership which God wants us to have. So you who belong to Jesus are supposed to be God's agents of bringing back that which we lost. Praise be to God. So now, where does prayer come in? Prayer is the way we take back that which we had lost. But there's many ways of describing it. So let me just give you a few definitions. One of the definitions of prayer is, is a Solomon request for help addressed to God. It's an appeal. That's one way of describing it. But also prayer is communication with a loving God who cares so much about us and loves to engage in communion with him. Now, prayer is a relationship with our heavenly father is talking to him. Prayer is not twisting the arm of a reluctant God. But it is working together with God to see his kingdom established. So it is one way that God has decided that through prayer we will engage with heaven. And through that engagement we will drive out the forces of darkness that have been messing up our nations. Messing up our people. That's what prayer is. So that's why Jesus was saying, friends, that is why we are here. Praise the Lord. So the statement, I have a few statements, which you may call it topics or subtopics. But one of them says this, the church must take an offensive stand in order to win. So when I think about prayer this morning, I want us to look at prayer as engaging with God to fight. Amen? Engage with God to fight our enemy who is the devil. So, offensive war and defensive war are different. The offensive war is where you go into the enemy 
territory. Defensive is where what happens is the enemy is coming, so you are defending yourself. Now, the problem we have is many times the way we look at prayer is in that defensive where the enemy is after me. Let me just run or let me just defend myself. So it's, it's a prayer of the week. Offensive war is prayer where you go and say, devil, enough is enough. You've terrorized our people long enough. We are not going to give you space to do what you're doing. So, when Jesus is speaking that very portion of scripture, he's saying this. I have come not for defense. I have come for offense. Amen. My people have suffered long enough. The devil has messed my people with disease, with sickness, and with all kinds of problems. But enough is enough. I'm taking new territory. I'm taking what the enemy had taken. So God's rule is a place where God reigns. And God reigns. Amen? Amen. But as he reigns, there is someone who came and infiltrated his place. And God is saying, no, please make sure you kick him out. (laughs) Kick him out, kick him out, kick him out. In the garden, we allow the enemy to do that. But now, the role of the church... Kick it out. Praise the Lord. Kick it out. Hallelujah. I like it. So Jesus was very direct. I have come that they may have life. I have come to set captives free. Luke chapter 4. I have come to give freedom to prisoners. Very, very, very offensive. When he met people possessed, he would not just say, he would not beg Satan, can you please come out? Can you? No, 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 no. He said, come out. When he met people messed up, messing up the temple, you know, selling stuff in the temple, he said, my father's house is not a house for trade. It is a place for prayer. Get out. That is our Jesus. He kicked them out. He did not negotiate with them. When Peter was telling Jesus, you remember Peter confesses, uh, Matthew chapter 16, Peter confesses you are Jesus, you are the son of the living God. And that Jesus says, yeah, it's, it's God the Father who has told you that. And then a few verses down, Jesus says, I actually am going to the cross. Actually, I'm going to die for these people. He says, no, 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 you can't do that. So what does Jesus tell him? Say, Peter, get behind me, Satan. So Jesus was not a negotiator. Eh? He never negotiated with the devil. Neither did he negotiate with all things. He says, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. So Jesus came on a mission. It was a mission to take back, to reclaim, to reestablish the rule of God on the earth. 
So when you get saved and you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you are enlisted in the church of Jesus Christ. You are enlisted in the army of the Lord. You are enlisted in that team that is going to take new territory, reclaim territory for the master, for the savior who saved you. So we are called to do that. So friends, the Christian life is a call to war. We don't usually want that because we love peace, don't we? We are called to war. Not warring against people. War against the enemy. So let me uh, give you the second statement for my message today. The enemy has an organized kingdom. So the question is, are we as organized to fight as him? The devil is organized. Amen? He's called the king of the physical world. When he was thrown from heaven, remember there was a war up there. He was thrown down here. And he said, I'm going to take over this land. Very organized. But do we know that he's organized? Usually not. We are so ignorant about what goes on in the spiritual world. And my prayer is that the church will wake up to the realities that are so real, but yet we neglect them. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, the Bible says this. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your full stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, or against, but against the rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on your full armor, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, that you may stand. So this portion, the apostle is telling you believers, friends, be strong. Why? Because you are fighting against the devil and the devil you are fighting is organized. You know, you look at this verse of scripture. It says our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Against human beings. But it says against Rulers, the devil has rulers, authorities, powers, spiritual forces, territorial spirits, demons, and other kinds of forces. You know, when you read the book of Daniel, I know you have done, you have been doing some Daniel lessons here. Daniel one time prayed. And the Bible tells he kept praying, kept praying, but the answers were not coming. But later on, after three plus weeks, God, God his angel breaks through and he says, you know, from the day you prayed, the answer was sent. 
But he says, I made some forces, I made some princes who actually resisted me until Michael the archangel came to fight on my behalf. And now the answer has come. It's a description of the fact that the devil has territorial spirits, has princes who rule over this, princes who rule. And I never understood this until I come to this place where I am in Gaba. You're planting a church. You're using all the things you know about prayer, about evangelism, about follow-up, about Bible study. But I didn't know what I was fighting. So when I started that prayer and started seeking after God and we started fasting, I started realizing there was something that I didn't know about. Just next door to our church, there was a shrine. There was this witch doctor. We used to call them doctor. They're not doctors. They're witches. Who had a business of consulting. People would consult him. They would come and pay money and bring sacrifices. So as we're praying, I realized, hmm, this man has always been here, but I never connected his presence with what we are doing. Then, as we're praying, I started realizing that there's so much witchcraft in our community. There's a place in Gaba. Our place is called Gaba, our community. There's a place in Gaba which was called Chiriambuzi. Chiriambuzi means a place where they sacrifice gods. G-O-A-T, gods. And I said, okay, why do they call it Chiriam? They say, there are so many gods that are being brought there. Why? Because there are most, many, many shrines. Then as we're praying, I started realizing that the chairman of the witches in the whole country of Uganda actually had his shrine in our community. So now I start connecting. The people were not responding to the gospel because there were forces that were against them. So we were praying, we were raising people, we were calling people to Jesus, but there was a force that was resisting the message that we were bringing in. That's what I started realizing. So I told our team, And I said, guys, let us pray like we've never prayed before. Then I remembered my pastor praying. Then I said, let's fast. Let's start speaking against these forces. Then I started connecting this portion of scripture to Daniel. And I realized that it's as though, you know, I just want you to be a little bit geographical here. Okay? There's heaven up there. So suppose heaven is out there. And there is this globe on which we are. There is that space in between. I'm just creating an imagination here, okay? In between heaven and earth, there is what I would call the spiritual atmosphere. Amen? Now, when God wants to break through, there is resistance, spiritual resistance to the things of God. So when he says, friends, you're not just fighting brother and sister. The disagreement is not between this religion and the other. It's not these people who are trying to be mad and resistant. They are bound by certain forces. 
And those forces cannot allow them to have the freedom of God. That's what I started realizing. So, so as we prayed, we started realizing that. In the community where we are, the principalities were the principalities of witchcraft. The shrines were everywhere. And then I got to find out that my people, my tribe, felt that their gods, gods with small g, work better near the shores of the lake. So that's why there are all kinds of shrines there. So I, t- I started telling the people, let's us start praying against the forces of witchcraft, the demonic attacks which were there because people felt that demons walked near the lake. So we started speaking against them. We started commanding these principalities, these forces that are resisting our breakthrough. We started praying against them. We started resisting them. We started saying, no, let God's people go. We started praying. And God started answering in very many interesting ways because we attacked those principalities. One of the things that we started seeing was people become softer to the gospel. The witch next door to Gaba Church, he used to have more clients than Gaba Church had. Yes. I mean, people would come to consult. There was no car. No one in our church owned a car. I was one of the better ones. I had a bicycle. Yes. But this guy had clients who would come and line up in cars. They had more money. And then as we prayed, the clients reduced. Why? Because when the church prays, the forces of darkness are paralyzed. And they reduced. And the members of the church increased. And as we kept praying, this guy was such a nasty guy that he could actually bring the sheep and the goats that people used to bring for sacrifice and he would graze them in our compound. And at that time, we're young, we would fear. We said, no, don't talk to the guy. One time, he had brought his sheep to graze. He had left it there because they put them on the rope and go and come back in the evening. The sheep died. Now, they thought it's an accident, but for me, I felt God had just struck the sheep. Then one time, we're in this tiny little Bible study. We hear, we hear noise in the neighborhood when we come out of this Bible study. The shrine had caught fire. They thought it's an accident. For us, we knew God is answering our prayers. When you pray, God starts doing things. Now, this area that I'm telling you about, which is the, the, the place with lots of shrines, Chiriambuzi, the area, it's very interesting. One time, we hear bulldozers coming to clear that whole place. It was, you know, several acres and lots of shrines. It so happens that the water that is supplying the city of Kampala comes from that area. So it comes, comes from Gaba. So the government wanted to expand the water pumping system to expand to the city. So they bought off all these shrines and all the spaces. So I tell people when you pray, God can use the government to answer your prayers. 
That's what God did for us. So it was so powerful. I just said, God, you started doing that. And as we kept praying, we started feeling more freedom. You know, before then, if you started preaching, you feel that resistance. You don't feel the freedom. But as we continued praying, God started giving us a breakthrough. So, the devil is organized. We have to be as organized in our prayers. Amen? So, we are called upon to be strong. We are called upon to know that if the enemy is organized, we better be organized in our prayer. We better be organized as spiritual forces against the enemy. So, friends, the devil operates in different ways in different places. In our place, it was witchcraft. In other places, it is other things. One time we went to Amsterdam to attend the Billy Graham conference long, long time ago. And one, one of the days they said, this afternoon we would like you all conference participants to go and evangelize Amsterdam. Some of you have been to Amsterdam. So first time to go to the Western world. I still have this memory that the Western world brought the gospel to Africa. Oh, I can't wait to see the amazing presence of God. Not in Amsterdam. No. So we walk and we walk on this street. You smell marijuana. And I say, what? Marijuana? Yeah. In the city. Then as we, we went to the market, you know, they have this open market and there's obscenity, you know, cards and I say, kids shouldn't walk here because the things are strange. And I say, how could they be so open to immorality like this? And then they told us, you know, there is a street, it's called Red Light District. They say, that one, don't go there, it's dangerous. I said, what? is going on. So I realized that Amsterdam has a stronghold. It's different from my stronghold. This one was prostitution. This was drugs. Different locations are attacked differently. That was Amsterdam. Now, what about your country? Different towns have different kind of attacks by the enemy. The devil is a bad devil, but God is a good God. So pray, and as you pray, God starts showing you areas and pockets of resistance, and you start praying and speaking. Some places it's addictions, places where there's addiction. There are places where there's gambling. I, you know, in the United States, they, they, they told us about this city called Las Vegas. And I used to hear Las Vegas. So one time I was changing planes in, in, in Las Vegas. I've never gone out of the airport. But, and I arrive in this airport. Every corner has these slot machines. And they're making all kinds of noise. And I said, why? It looks like a bar. And they say, no, welcome to Las Vegas. The devil operates there in a different way. So my friends, the enemy is dangerous, but Jesus is powerful. So what is God is calling us is to take back that 
which the devil had taken. Taking on territorial spirits. So, I've already commented about Daniel. My prayer is this for you. Is that as you pray, you say, God, show us how we can fight. Amen? For your city, for your nation, but also for your family. For me, my family, where I come from, we are 13 children. How many? 13. My mother had six of the 13. You ask me, where did the other ones come from? We would wake up and then they say, that's your brother. Oh, that's your sister. And I say, how did they come? And come to find my family had those issues. Men were free to do whatever they wanted to do. So I found that there is a spirit of immorality that is going back generations. So when I got saved, I started praying and I started feeling that God is asking me to pray against the forces that have been holding my family for a very, very long time. So my prayer for you as a church is that as individuals, pray for your family. What are the things holding back your family members and your relatives from holding Jesus? Then pray for your community. What are some of those areas? Because some of the things we complain about, there are forces that are challenging. So that's why he says, be strong. You're on a special assignment. Pray fast. And as you do, God is going to give you. I need to to start summarizing. In Ephesians chapter 6, where we read verse 18, he's showing us how to pray. Ephesians 6, 18. How do we pray? Pray at all times. Many times we go to prayer when there is trouble. Amen? We go to prayer when we come to church. But he says, pray at what? All times. And then he says, pray on every occasion. He says, be alert. Be persistent. And then he says, pray in the spirit. Don't take things for granted. Do not stop praying. What I've found is that when we are just starting out, we pray a lot. But time comes when we are comfortable. And the devil loves comfortable Christians. He loves comfortable churches. We relax. And when we relax, he rises up. Don't stop praying. Pray when you don't feel like it. Pray when you feel like it. Pray when you are hungry. Pray when you are angry. Pray when you have. Pray when you don't have. Because the devil is seeking whom to devour. He wants, he hates your kids. He hates your family. He hates everything. So pray even when you don't feel like praying. How do we pray? Pray every day. When you pray, pray every day. Pray when you don't feel like it. Pray. Pray. We started a prayer meeting in Gaba. 
We started it so many years ago when we found we are going through a lot of trouble. That prayer meeting is still going on 30 years later. Every Friday we pray. We have a prayer meeting which starts at 6 and ends at 9. The young men and women have another prayer meeting which starts at 10 and goes through the night. We have multiple seasons of prayer and fasting. Two weeks ago, we finished a week-long prayer and fasting. You may say, oh, how do I fast? The issue is not how do you fast. The, the issue is do you fast? How long? You decide. But pray. Amen? And brothers and sisters, God has promised us victory. And that's my last statement. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 to 14. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain and command locusts to devour the land and send a plague among us, my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, they will pray, they will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Friends, I'm here as a living testimony that God answers prayers. That little church of 20 people, 15, 20 people, way back, has become a breath of life to our community. Everywhere you walk, the people say that is our church because that little church became a beacon of hope to that community. We started a program helping you know, kids to go to school. Now there's thousands that have gone through our hands. That church became a beacon of hope. That, that church did not only become a beacon of hope. We started a little clinic. Now it's a hospital bringing healing to that community. That little church has become a, I, I would say it's, it's been a, a place where churches have been born. Today, we say, you've been a good God. Hundreds of churches have been planted out of that tiny, hopeless situation. Breath, new life, is going to bring life to this community. May the good Lord bless you. May God use you as you pray to bring a change in this life and in this nation. God bless you.